Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Since its inception, Jennifer has interviewed many prominent women in the industry to help turn ideas to action and grow a network that can help build a better future for women. Women remain the driving force behind this growth, but male allies can play a critical role in helping to bring about these changes. That is why Jennifer has launched Mentors That Make a Difference, a spinoff series that allows men to speak on their experiences and share how they are helping drive social change to close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. We hope this new segment will continue to inspire change and encourage growth of women in the industry. Listen in as these collaborative stories start right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be speaking with Tom Foster. We've all used an iPad-based visitor management system. Tom is the director of sales at The Receptionist, the company behind your Swift check-in experiences. Started in 2013, The Receptionist paved the way as the first ever visitor management company. They are now in over 4,000 locations and 36 countries worldwide. Welcome to the show, Tom. I'm so excited to have you on our Mentors That Make a Difference segment. Um, Thanks so much for being an ally for women in technology. Uh, So let's get started. Tell us a little bit about you. Well, hello, Jennifer, and I'm super excited to be on this podcast as well. I'll give you a little history on me. Um, I've been in sales pretty much my whole entire life. I worked in the electronic payments, merchant services industry for about 20 years Mm -hmm. and really got um, a little bit tired of the old school mentality of money, 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 and not so much culture, 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 (laughs) and Mm -hmm. looked for a change. Uh, I grew up in Indiana and moved out to Colorado and was fortunate enough to find a company called The Receptionist, which is Basically, it's everything you can think of for a culture. It's culture first, as opposed to um, just being money and creating money. So, I mean, that's a little bit about like my work, um, about me personally. Um, I'm an avid triathlete, so I swim, bike, and run. I'm one of those crazy people. Uh, married, uh, 13-year-old son. So some of these examples may involve him, uh, a <laughs> dog, and all the other fun stuff that goes along with it. So that's a little about me. That's awesome. That is awesome. And I'm really, really uh, glad you talked about culture first at the receptionist because um, we are big on that as well. And we find that we have, you know, better retention, more fun, hard work, all of those things, as long as you have the right culture first. 100%. And if people know what what the culture is, you know, it's it, it, the buzzword went around all the time. What's your mission statement? But mission statements and cultures are so much different. Very uh, different. Yeah. To be with a company that actually, you know, well, it's on my wall. I'm, I'm in my studio here at the office and our, our culture is called fabric. So fun, authentic, bold, respectful, innovative, and collaborative. So oh, by having that. those, <laughs> yeah, they, I, I do too, uh, having those to go with, is like pretty amazing because that's how a lot of our decisions are actually made. Yeah, we just hired a person that came from a very, very poor culture. And culture was his number one uh, criteria in making a change. And it's interesting, you can describe culture, but until you get in there and you feel it, it's not the same. And so he took 
everything we said because it sounded right and it sounded good. Mm -hmm. And then his first week at the job, he was like, oh, my gosh, this is so amazing. And, you know, I kind of knew it was better than what I had, but I didn't realize how much better. And he just feels right at home. And, you know, he's got the values that we look for. And it's just so important. It is. And there's that moment that people go through when they get out of a, and I'll use the word toxic um, environment Mm -hmm. and move into an accepting environment, move into an environment that, you know, applauds individuality, but also you go through this little period of time where you're like, okay, that was the interview. When's the real thing's going to (laughs) happen? About a month later, you're like, wait, the shoe's not dropping. This is actually how it is. Right. It's very liberating and it makes it for a very unique environment for collaboration and innovation. And it it makes me proud to think, wow, you know, we're not just talking the talk, we are walking the talk. So in our organization, people can come and after a couple, just a week, he can feel the difference, you know, so that's really good. We want to keep that going. Absolutely. All right. So as you know, I am very passionate about bringing more women into technology and bridging the employment pay and culture gap for women. What do you see from your lens today in the industry? Well, I'm seeing a lot of change. Um, And I can talk about this in multiple uh, facets. For one, just to get this word out of the way, the majority of my team is female. Mm -hmm. Um, I have one um, enterprise account executive who is male. The rest Mm -hmm. of my team is female. Um, It's been that way for a long time. I, I don't know if I'm an anomaly or what but it seems like and hopefully i'm not going to say something too bad but uh, women come to interviews and they're extremely prepared mm-hmm. they are ready they ask an intelligent question and it's, and it's almost as if sometimes other individuals are like yeah i kind of already got the job without even trying mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm seeing some more structure across the board regarding move, removing some of those pay gaps that have been traditionally found in some instances mm-hmm. uh, I know personally here we pay for the job, um, not as much as like what what sex you are, um, and having a range that is completely stuck by I think will help to bridge that gap because I think it's a it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we personally are moving from you know a traditional type of company to a progressive type of company, being an infinite mindset. I don't know if you're familiar with Simon Sinek, I'm pretty sure. Everybody I love it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but we are trying to run our business as an infinite company. Um, and an infinite company doesn't, it doesn't basically say, okay, you're this type of an individual. This is what you have to do. It's, hey, let's figure out how we can help each other move, you know? And from my instance, you know, it used to be maternity leave and we've changed it to parental leave because mm-hmm. men and women both get to have those time off. So I think there's a change coming. Some of the traditional companies, it's going to take a lot. It's pulling teeth. Um, and it's the, really the difference between having a, a mindset of, you know, shareholder supremacy versus employee and building for the employee and for the customer. Um, I think that's one of the big things that I see when it comes to bridging that. But really, go for it. If you're a female and you want to get into it, just do it. Like, apply. You're going to find mm-hmm. somebody who's going who's gonna to be there for you. So that's interesting that you say, you know, women come to the interview so much more prepared. And that's really a fact because 
um, sometimes our confidence level is not as high and we want to be 100% qualified for the job <laughs> in order to apply for it. So we really put time into that preparation and um, the detail that's needed as part of the preparation. So it's interesting that you notice that. Yeah, it's I've taught my wife is in HR um, and we talk about, you know, hiring and things like that a lot. And uh, that's one of the things I'm, I noticed. It's just like, wow, the, the level of preparation is so much different and it's sticking out. I mean, because when you're hiring for just the job, the position for what a person's going to do, that level of preparedness and that level of research, that's why you got the job. Mm -hmm. Like, that's it. Like, because you did that. And another person may have felt, oh, you know, hey, I'm going to be getting this job. And my wife told me a thing she said. Men will typically apply for a job that they want, whether they think they can do it or not. <laughs> and mm -hmm. females will mm -hmm. apply for a job they know they can do well. Um, and that comes from confidence, you know, because men could be 60% qualified for the job. And they said, you know, I can learn the rest. It's great. I'm going to go in. Women will not apply for the job if they're 60% qualified because they feel, no, I have to be 100% qualified. I have to know that I can do this job in order for, you know, in order to apply. So it's very, very true. And, and it is a confidence level. And so we're seeing younger girls now have a little more confidence. They still prepare and they, you know, have all the right pieces for the application, but they are, they have more confidence than, you know, some of the older generations. Yeah, I'm seeing that as well. Um, they're great. going into things with a gusto. They're they're putting themselves out there, going out on a limb. I mean, I'm thinking of the folks that are on my team. It's just like watching these individuals blossom and grow is the most rewarding thing as a as a mentor. I agree. I love that. So, um, you know, allyship is so important because women can't do this by ourselves. We can't just think that okay, if we have confidence, we're gonna, you know, change the the entire industry. So um, my conversation with one of um, my male friends said, he said, can I be on your podcast? And I said, no, it's for women. And he said, well, how about allies to support you? And I said, what a great idea. I love that. And so that's how I started this um, mentors that make a difference because we need to work at this issue together. So what are some of the qualities that you see that an ally should have as we look to build more allyship within the industry, because we need that support to get equity and how can allies support us? I love this question. Um, I would say the first thing to look for in a mentor is somebody who is willing, has the willingness to look inwardly to change themselves first. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of baggage that, um, yeah, I'm, I, I come from the era of, you know, man up, you know, suck it yep. up that yep. whole thing. And once that individual that you're looking for to be a mentor has gone through and, and put that aside and realized that it's about helping others and serving others, um, I think that's the most important thing first off because they can't mentor you if they have an agenda. They have yep. to be there for you. Um, I would look at, do they have compassion? Do they have empathy? And you, if you ask anybody, do you have empathy? They're like, sure. You have to ask their team. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do some more research on people. Um, but someone who doesn't have to know all the answers. Someone who asks questions. I feel mm -hmm. an ally should ask more questions than giving answers. Because if you ask questions, that empowers those individuals to grow. 
if you just tell them what to do, they're stuck in the same cycle that they were in before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, I love that you mentioned compassion, empathy, asking questions, more listening skills, um, and check your ego at the door, right? Amen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that is so true. And we all have an ego, you know, but sometimes the ego gets in the way and sometimes it doesn't. So, uh, you know, over the years, just being very mindful about, you know, what is guiding your thought process or what's um, what's pushing you to think this way. Sometimes if you really think about it, it's the, that ego. And, you know, I'll like some of my family will say something and I'll get reactive immediately and I'll be like, okay, stop. This is the ego. (laughs) We need to put that aside and just let it go. (laughs) I just had this conversation with my 13 year old about ego and what ego makes you do um, when other people are around and the embarrassment that, that the ego can do. There's a good spot. And then there's a point where your ego just gets completely out of out of whack. Um, as a family, we work on this thing. We, it's a book called The Four Agreements. I mean, one of the agreements is don't take things personally. And that has to do with your ego. And do you have a bruised ego or a fragile ego? And you're trying to compensate for that, um, which, you know, when you're 13, you don't. It's, it's a hard concept to get through. <laughs> Took me to my, you know, late 40s to even yeah. think about it. So. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're having these conversations with your 13 year old son because that's where it starts, you know, at at home. Um, and ego and confidence are two different things, and we really have to be able to separate the two um, and understand the differences. Just like compassion and empathy, you know, those are different things, yeah. and a lot of times people. Comp- confuse the two. So uh, what else are you thinking about, you know, um, raising your son with in, you know, so that he becomes that future generation of just really good people? What else do you, do you teach him? Thank you. This is like my passion. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Raising, raising our son, my wife and I, we were very, very intentional about not falling into the trap of what I grew up with, um, which is the, you know, man it up type of phrase, you know, that men don't cry, being being vulnerable is weak. We're showing him and training him and teaching him, not just by words, but through example of my own. I've done a lot of therapy on my own just to, like, figure out all the things that were causing, were holding me back in a mm-hmm. nutshell. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're teaching him that it's okay to have feelings. It's okay to state what your needs are. It's okay to say no to somebody when you see you know your best friend saying something rude to another individual you need to stand up for it and mm-hmm. i gotta tell you jennifer i have one of the best experiences of my life two weeks ago at this saturday swim meet is that you know my son marshall he was um in a in a relay and one of his friends felt very bad about doing the butterfly so that, i don't know if you swim but the fly stroke is like the mm-hmm. hardest thing you can do it's ridiculous mm-hmm. like michael phelps is the man uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, his friend felt bad and he felt that empathy and compassion. He said, I'll do it. My son had never done it. Mm-hmm. And he put other, he, he put his need of his own needs of that fear, all of that. He put it aside because I'm going to do this. I'm going to be an ally to my, to my friend. And he crushed it. And it was really amazing to watch that moment where he was so compassionate with his friends. He didn't do it for glory. He didn't do it for anything other than I'm going to be here and prove my worth 
by showing you that I am who I say I am. And it was just, I was in tears. That's amazing. And that should give you such a proud moment that, you know, (laughs) all your hard work is working because he, that is amazing. That's what you need to be, you know, is that you're there for others. You're there. Keep your thoughts aside, you know, when Mm -hmm. you're, and, and he crushed it. That's great. But even if he didn't, he did the best he could to support his friend. Absolutely. And that, that's that was more important than the time. <laughs> oh, I agree. That, that's all. just such a proud moment for you, yeah. I'm sure. Yes. So that's great. All right. So you have a passion for creating and selling innovative as- solutions. Mm-hmm. So tell us more um, and touch around, uh, touch on some best practices around innovation because. Um, you know, how, how do people think of innovation? I always, um, you know, think about conversations I've had around innovation and, and people are like, well, I'm not creative. I can't innovate. And really everybody can, as long as you put that mindset first. So yeah. tell me your thoughts. Well, I'll talk about technology first, then we'll go into innovation. Okay. Uh, so technology is a double-edged sword. I mean, let's just be honest. Uh, I've been in technology, so I was in financial technology before I came here to the receptionist. And being on the cutting edge of technology, I've found, is very scary for people. Um, change is very hard for most humans, most people. Um, when I was in fintech, uh, the electronic payment, payment industry changed, and they created what's called tokenization and encryption. And you would walk into a business and start explaining to somebody about tokenization and encryption and their eyes would glaze over. Probably like Mm -hmm. all of you that are listening right now are like, what? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So being on the cutting edge requires storytelling. Tokenization, I just used the example of, you know, if you go to Chuck E. Cheese with your kid or a fair and you hand them money and they give you tokens, that's token. Changes Mm -hmm. the credit card number into something else. Encryption is like um, the invisibility cloak in Harry Potter. Now you made technology something that people understand. Like they're like, oh, I get that. So an invisibility mm-hmm. cloak, it's there, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Here at the receptionist, it's a little bit different because our product, we do visitor management. So when we'll post something on social media or what have you, we'll sometimes get the the negative response of, well, you're just trying to replace human beings. But mm-hmm. like, no, <laughs> we're not. Right. So how, yeah, how do you make that a positive? So what we've done is we've really been very intentional about explaining that humans do things that that machines can't like and i i do demos a lot so i'll do these funny stories i'll say you know no matter how good our product is no matter how new your ipad is it can't look at you before your big interview and say hey there's some salad in your teeth that's only that's something that a human can do (laughs) so you gotta make it relatable (laughs) Did you know that there is an increase in the number of women leaving the tech industry? As a woman-owned business, Directions Training has made it our mission and passion to change this statistic. That's why Jennifer created this podcast. We showcase insight from everyday women for everyday women in the tech industry. Do you know other people that would benefit from tuning in? Share the link and help us drive the advancement of women in the tech industry. Do you have a journey or know of someone that our listeners would benefit from hearing about? Reach out to us at directionstraining.com slash podcast. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and wherever you find your podcasts. Now, back to the show. I love that. Yeah, make it relatable to their own story. So 
and realize that it is you're going to be met with challenges and challenges aren't necessarily bad challenges are what makes you stronger i tell my son this all the time is that a crab doesn't grow bigger until it struggles out of its shell and grows a new one like that's that's what you've got to do to grow and to be big so now to innovate um i think innovation is everyone's responsibility in the company mm-hmm. it's not the development team it's not the marketing team um i mean there's always going to be somebody that is looking at your industry from the outside and they're going to blow you away. You know, we all know the story of Kodak. Kodak was mm-hmm. the biggest film manufacturing company ever. And they're like digital cameras. Nope. Well, where's Kodak? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, change. <laughs> you know, you look at the cab company, why didn't they create Uber or Lyft? You know, uh-huh. I mean, looking at this innovation, is that the thing that doesn't get asked enough is why. And I think for those of you that are listening to this that have a team, what you need to do to innovate is to make your environment a safe space. We've all been in those meetings, Jennifer, where you know, you've had an idea and you're like, man, this is good. And you bring it up and some big wig on the other end of the table shoots it down like it's mm-hmm. the stupidest thing you've ever heard. It's crushing. Let's just face it. And if you're a female doing it, it's a male that says that, that's even more crushing. It's mm-hmm. just furthering that stereotype. So as a manager, as a leader, as a director, whatever your position is, you need to make your environment safe. If your environment's safe, then innovative ideas will come from your trusting team. If your team trusts you, they're going to throw those out here. And you got to do it, I'll say by example, is that don't be afraid to fail and don't be afraid to be bold and come up with those ideas. And if one person doesn't like that idea, but you truly believe in it, figure out and ask the questions. What was it about that idea that you found so off-putting? Or what was it about that idea? And I would almost, I won't bet money, but I would say the majority of the time, it's that individual's own personal fear that is coming into play. Like, Mm -hmm. why didn't I think about that? I'm a manager. I'm supposed to have all the answers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Do you, I mean, you interview people all the time. That's a, a very common thing that people are dealing with. It is. It's your own unconscious biases sometimes that, you know, are forcing you not to be open minded. Yeah, Yeah. it is. So I I love that. And, you know, we really foster that inclusion and inclusive um, meetings and collaboration a lot. And I think women do that quite a bit. Um, And. I always say there's no bad ideas. Bring all the ideas to the table. Let's talk about them. And sometimes people will come up with something that probably doesn't even make sense, but we still embrace those because that leads to that next idea. You know, sometimes one idea is not fully baked yet and you're just brainstorming and you're talking about it and then suddenly it sparks into other things. Oh, yeah. Don't discount that pad of paper on your bedside stand. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Because you may not be able to read it, but it will come to flourishing. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, think about how many big ideas have come from that. And and one more thing on innovation. This is something that um, I didn't put down, but I take things to my director of engineering, Dylan, all the time, because the way his engineering mind works versus my sales mind versus, Mm -hmm. you know, the marketing minds, it's he'll look at a situation and it will just have this like, wow. And I'll have those aha moments like, oh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think 
too many companies compartmentalize so much that they don't realize that their biggest idea might not come from the, the source that they thought it was because it didn't traditionally fit that way. And I'm excited to see the future of business as it continues to evolve and grow and allowing people to express themselves by having safe work environments where people aren't torn down and, you know, berated in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I get right. stories about that. <laughs> no, right. I mean, that's that's so important. And that goes right there with culture, right? Yep. Um, where that is so important to have that inclusion because it fosters that safe environment and it fosters innovation. Um, I love that. So great, great thoughts around innovation. So with innovation comes revenue um, and, you know, businesses thrive and, and uh, grow based on innovation and the revenue that comes with it. What are some ways to build and execute on revenue strategies? You know, how do you think about it in your business and um, how do you execute on those? It's a great question. So first you look at what revenue is. So, and that's the mindset from the top down is, is revenue the be all end all? What is it for? Obviously you have to, you have to have revenue in order to grow. But I look at revenue as a medium to fuel growth and develop your team. So early on in the receptionist, um, they were sort of working on this thing called Traction, um, which is another really, really good book. And it's just an operating system. You know, they call it the entrepreneur's operating system. We use but, that. I love it. Oh, you, oh we really? The EOS system. Yep. Small world. So we love mm-hmm. it. We, it made meetings actually enjoyable. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but what we started to do is with the work of Simon Sinek and uh, the, the, his predecessor is look at our why as a company and our just cause. And this all goes down to building and executing on these revenue strategies. So as a company, our why is to build a company that operates with compassion, lives with integrity and fosters strong human connections. And that led to our just cause. And this is where this, this revenue strategies come into play because our just cause is to build a world where a company's profits fuel the mission to be in service to its employees and the community. So what we're looking at, how do we develop and build these revenue strategies is we then had to look at ourselves is, do we want to be everything to everybody? Mm-hmm. Do we want to be niche? Do we want to be market specific? Or do we just want to be, you know, have no plan whatsoever? And obviously if you're listening to this, the last one is kind of a joke, no plan. <laughs> you won't get there. Um, so, <laughs> From the beginning, you need to set a budget that based on everything that includes setting aside for marketing, for development, for product, for growth, for mistakes. I mean, don't be afraid to go out there. Um, I found that building some of these uh, revenue strategies is by asking questions, Mm -hmm. not just to your employees, your current customers. Um, Late late last year, early last year, um, our CEO, Andy, called a bunch of our customers, our current customers, to find out what they liked, what they were doing. And then we also called potential customers, people who were not yet with us, and then also customers that were with us and that we had lost, to learn from them what mm-hmm. is it that we were missing through innovation. Because obviously, if you're not innovating and growing and staying up, you're going to start losing that revenue. Um, and if your product you know, really has that value, then the, the revenue is going to automatically increase. And yep. I'm in SaaS. So, you know, software as a service market. I would suggest to everybody making sure that you start your key metrics and keeping them top of mind um, from day one. 
it may, you know, people when they're starting out, they're like, oh, we'll get to that eventually. No, start at day one. <laughs> start <laughs> tracking these things from day one. Um, and always look at ways to decrease your um, churn or if you're in, not in the SaaS business, your attrition. And find out really, truly why people leave. Um, why are customers leaving? I, I think the last point on this is to get the team leads, the directors, department heads, or whoever to collaboratively give you what metrics they're excited about. You know, Jennifer, we've all been in that company where your goals are handed down from on high, your metrics are handed down on, on high, and you're like, yeah, this I can't affect this, or I can't manage this, I can't take this. We, for our revenue strategies, have taken a different approach. We're going bottom up. We're start, starting with the BDRs, the business development reps. What do you like? What are metrics that get you excited? And mm -hmm. then we continue that through the funnel from the top to the bottom. And that's helped generating for us what is our revenue strategy going to be. And also, too, for our company this year, we're looking at going strictly market specific, which is a pretty neat experience for us. I know that was a really long answer. <laughs> no, that's a great answer. Great, great answer. So how do you interpret integrity to revenue or foster human connections to revenue? Is there a correlation there that you think about or is it you know, build it and they will come? Uh, great question. No, you have to be intentional, but not overly overbearing. And what I mean by that, so we live with integrity, meaning we're not going to go into an individual and say, you need this product when they don't, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, and this is a phrase and I didn't create this, but I teach my sales team is sell the no. Sell to the no. If it's not a good fit, you can sell them and get them on, but then they're just going to churn out. And why do that? It's a waste of everybody's time. Just be right. honest. When we're not a fit for somebody, we say, hey, look, we're just not a fit. Sorry. Here's who you can talk to. And that fosters a very strong human connection because people will come back a year, six months later, sometimes even two weeks later and say, you know what? We're going with you anyway because you were honest. Mm-hmm. That develops that revenue. And there's nothing wrong with saying no to people. And I think a lot of folks, when they get into business, uh, especially new new salespeople, I can speak on that a ton, is that they want to impress so much that they end up doing the wrong things. Mm -hmm. the, the company has to have this mindset that they have to have that integrity, that they you know, use those profits to fuel the mission to be in service to them and letting your employees know that it's okay to say no. Because mm -hmm. I don't... I can't ever remember a sales manager, and I have my hand in quotes here, that I've ever had in my life um, that ever said it was okay to say no. Yeah. Right. Sell, sell, sell. Go, go, yep. go. <laughs> make your numbers. Make your numbers. That's all that they care about. Right. <laughs> so, so true. And that's, you know, we've had um, some changes here in our leadership for the sales team, and we've seen, you know, giving them that autonomy, giving them that freedom to help in marketing and sales and all of those things has changed the dynamic of our entire team. And they have peer-to-peer -peer discussions more than manager-to-employee uh, discussions, and it's grown our, our revenue, you know, 10 times. It's just amazing that culture, how it feeds to growth. It's beautiful. That's that's the kind of story that inspires me. Those are the things mm -hmm. that make me excited, like seeing other people really realizing and understanding that, you know, it doesn't have to be this number thing. Mm -hmm. You can grow organically. You can grow efficiently. 
if everybody is all rowing in the same direction, if to, you know, to use traction parlance, uh, <laughs> but if everybody is on this and feels safe, feels secure, and feels listened to, it it really does make a difference. People, it works. yeah, they work. They work so much harder because there's a cause they're working for, and mm-hmm. not just a paycheck. Yeah, absolutely agree. We come all the way full circle back to culture. (laughs) 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 So let's talk about leadership because, you know, to build a great culture, you need to have great leaders. And so what does it take to be a good leader? What have you found? And then ones that are mediocre leaders, what can they do to step up their game? Great. Um, I think realizing that leadership is not about telling people what to do. Mm-hmm. but rather serving those that are put in your charge. Yep. I mean, that's the, when I made that shift a long time ago is that it's not about telling people what to, what to do. It's about showing them and asking them questions so that they can discover that and own that on their own. Mm-hmm. It led me to my, my personal why, uh, which is to lead with passion and empathy while creating new growth experiences for those I have the opportunity to serve. Like, nice. That's, that's what it's all about. Being a leader is such a heavy responsibility and a lot of people think oh i just want to be a leader because i want that title or i want that money or whatever it's it's a huge responsibility those people mm-hmm. they look to you for more than just answers um and i would i would love to have my team on to ask them what they think uh but it's more about just giving them the direction and understanding that it's about serving um so what do leaders need to do to step up their game mm-hmm. <laughs> oh boy uh there's some really mediocre ones and then there's some really bad ones but the mediocre ones is listen more and lose the ego yep like that's like as simple as it gets it sounds so so easy but i will tell you my my ceo andy Alsop, amazing human being he sent me this a while ago i was having a little struggle um like in the middle of the pandemic like a lot of us were just mm-hmm. with how do we deal with no numbers? We're in sales. Ah, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is what started the whole uh, infinite game thing. But he sent me a quote from Simon uh, Sendek, and it says, life changes for the better when we realize that we don't have to know everything and we don't have to pretend mm-hmm. that we do. I have that on my wall. My oh, my office. God, I love that. <laughs> you know, and as a coming from the industry that I came from, I had all the answers. I was my name was Hey Tom because everybody would ask me. And I, mm-hmm. at first, I, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. But then I realized I'm not helping anybody grow. Mm-hmm. I'm not empowering people that are around me. When that changed, sales went through the roof. Everything went through the roof. Plus, I got a lot of time back, <laughs> which was oh, nice. Right. <laughs> yeah, this, um, these are such great lessons for our listeners, for all of us. We learn from each other, you know. So this is, I learned from you. So that's amazing. I think, yeah, being a leader is not about a title. It's about action and consistency, mm-hmm. you know, and this is one thing that if you're listening to this and you find people that are gravitating towards you naturally, you're a leader. Mm-hmm. Like a title doesn't make a person a leader. You could be the right. CEO or the, you know, I, I'm thinking of an individual that I know from my past who had a hefty title and nobody would go to this individual. Mm-hmm. Um, but then other people would speak and they would go and gravitate towards them. It's leadership isn't is it's a it's service. It's not telling people, you know, it's not being the smartest person in the room. Um, it's about quieting down and listening so you can learn from the people that are around you. Perfect. Perfect. Well said. Um, so 
we, we kind of talked about this already. I didn't know if you wanted to add anything. What are some of the differences between leading and managing? Managing is telling people what to do and, you know, leading is more servant leadership like you talked about. Anything else you want to add on that? No, I mean, my phrase I've said forever is managing is for processes and procedures. <laughs> Leading yeah. is about supporting those around you. Like I can manage my finances. I'm not going to manage what, you know, an employee does on a day-to-day basis. I'm going to give them the parameters. And you mentioned earlier autonomy. Mm-hmm. That's what we all want. Mm-hmm. Show us, let us do it and help us to go in the right direction. You know? Right. I mean, yeah. I always say to them, you know, I'm here if you need something. Um, but I'm not going to micromanage you. I'm not going to watch every minute of what you're doing. Um, you know, your KPIs tell the story. You know, we have OKRs that we use and yep. that will tell the story. But if you need help, I'm here. And Absolutely. that has worked really, really well. It is. And, you know, you find people are happier. They actually they do more. Um, we have a problem here at our company is we have unlimited PTO and people won't <laughs> take time off. <laughs> Because they love what they do. We're like, we actually mandated, you must take off 10 days. Like, we're like, some of my team, I'm like, I'm mandating that you take five days in a row off because they just won't (laughs) stop. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's awesome. How does that work? Uh, Unlimited PTO. That's a great, I mean, you're building a company for the future, obviously. Yeah. It's it's um it's very empowering because people don't feel I I will tell you just from personal experience at first I was like really because I came from a, a rears and seats kind of a mm-hmm. place you're one minute late are you coming to work today kind of a deal yeah. <laughs> we're yeah those that culture is hopefully will go away through all the work that people like you are doing the people like like that just all these individuals that are like changing the way that business is done you don't have to be at a desk for forty hours a week. Um, but it, it is, it get, it's weird at first cause you're like, I can really take off <laughs> and then you start to really revel at it. If you have the right atmosphere and you have the right culture, nobody takes advantage of it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's a very collaborative on my team. We literally are on Slack all day long talking about everything. We mm-hmm. plan trips early. We celebrate each other's wins. We celebrate our vacations. You know, um, one of my um, sales reps, she just got back from her one year um, anniversary. She got married a year ago. And, you know, we're all celebrating that today. Like these are the things that are just it makes it really cool, (laughs) to be quite frank. You don't have to think about when do I have to go off or I need to go grab uh, um, something from the store or pick up a kid. Those are all the things that give you the freedom to feel empowered. Mm hmm. Yeah, and then you work harder whenever you can. You you jump on the computer. You finish what you have to do. You meet your deadlines. All of those things. So absolutely, Tom, you're just such an inspiration. This is so great. So so much great um, advice and uh, learnings that we can get out of this podcast. It's amazing. So if you think back. Mm-hmm. What is the one thing you wish you had known when you began your career? Because we yeah. all kind of learn as we go along, right? And if you knew that before you began, what would it be and how thing how would things be different? Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> First, I, I love where I'm at, so I wouldn't really change a thing. But I would tell myself this. Slow down. Mm-hmm. Don't go so fast. And what I mean by that is take this, take the time to understand why you're doing the thing before just charging ahead at 150 miles an hour. I, I still 
go at about 110. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But success is measured in how you help others, not in how you help yourself. That's the that's the thing that I wish I would have learned earlier in my career is that it's not about me. And there's a book I read, um, Think and Grow Rich, very old school book. But there was one lesson in that book that I, I took. And I wish I could tell you who said it, but it was you can become as successful as you want if you help enough other people become successful. I love that. Like, that's what I wish I would have been told at 16. (laughs) And that is that is a very common theme um, as I talk to more people. And it's very similar for me is what I've learned is not to react, to pause and to wait and process before you react because i'm i'm running at 150 miles an hour too and sometimes i just want to get it done you know i want to move on to the next thing and i've learned that as well just to pause and reconsider think and process yep that's the thing i tell my kid try not to react try to think breathe and respond react bad respond good and then of course you have to temper it you know react sure. if there's a car coming at you like sure. you don't need Absolutely. to stop <laughs> <laughs> don't be processing and pausing for that <laughs> exactly i love that that's great so here's a tough one mm-hmm. who are three people that have been most influential in your life I have so many people that have been so good um my grandmother number one mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. and why yeah, she's 95. She has been my rock my whole life. Um, she still kayaks at 95. Like awesome. She come. She she was there like my whole entire life. She was very very influential on a lot of the service things. No, that generation did go a little bit overboard, <laughs> where they kind of <laughs> lost themselves. Uh, but she's been just great um, for me. Like she's always been there. We had a conversation on the way in today talking about the difference of her generation versus my generation. It was was just a very inspiring conversation this morning as I was actually coming to the office to do this podcast. Um, I I wish I'm going to be that grandmother, like your mother, like your grandmother, because I have grandkids that are very young and I, I want them to, I want to leave a legacy where they have memories and and stories about time with with me you know so that's awesome yeah the next it's not really a person but it is it's my team like my team is uh i owe so much to my team because they have given me the safe space to be their leader and to grow as a leader and i don't it's been more influential through the pandemic and through everything that we, we grew top line revenue. We grew all of our, we grew everything during a pandemic, which was pretty amazing. But more importantly, we grew as humans. Mm-hmm. We, we took our company, created a mental health stipend. We created a, um, a travel stipend so that people could go see their families when it was safe to do so because work is work. But I told this to my CEO the other day, I said, nobody ever on their deathbed says, man, I really wish I would have spent more time at the office, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, my team is a huge influence on me in this stage of my career because um, the, the ability to be trusted by those individuals as much as I trust them is something that's it's new to me. Um, I come from that toxic environment where it's get mm-hmm. me more, get me more, get me more. Um, I know that's not a person. <laughs> no, but that's great. No, the team, you know, it gives you that safe, safe space to grow. Like you said, I love that. Yeah. And 
I have a really, really uh, good relationship with Andy. Our Andy Alsop, he's our CEO at the receptionist. Um, he has just given me a ton of space to grow and to see what a CEO should be like, how empathy and compassion can come from the top down, how that leadership like that. It's just there's a whole team on our leadership team. There's five of us and just everybody I'm inspired by that's on that, you know, I, I could just keep, I, I'm inspired by so many people like Simon Sinek. Like I, my first mentor was, his name was Johnny Wentworth. Like I could go on and on and on, but I'm inspired continually by the people around me. I think because I look for it, that may yeah. be the, the yeah. big reason. I, I and, for- and you're just hungry for it, right? I mean, it's just so important. You can see the results from it that you find the good in almost everybody you interact with. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I could. I will say, Jennifer, my therapist. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you wouldn't be where you are today, right? I mean, they help us grow every day. Yep. Amen. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, oh, this has been so much fun, Tom. I just wish we could talk forever. But in closing, what advice would you give to a woman that's considering a career in the tech industry? I would say, number one, be you. Don't try and change to fit the situation. Be bold, stay strong, and then really decide what you're going to stand up for. And when you stand up for it, find the ally that's going to help you. They're out there. They're Not everybody is, and I'll just say that way, there are people who will see you for who you are. It might take a little bit of searching, but they're out there. Don't give up. Great advice. Great advice. And um, share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you and tell us maybe a little bit more about the receptionist as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, You can get a hold of me. My email is really easy. It's tom at thereceptionist.com. That's easy. Um, Yeah. (laughs) LinkedIn, I'm Thomas P. Foster. Um, the you'll see me. I have no hair, so it's pretty easy to <laughs> <laughs> Instagram Thomas P. Our Instagram is Tom P. Foster, and I don't tweet, but I have one. It's uh, Tom P. Foster one. Um, but yeah, so the receptionist, we're a visitor management company, so we help businesses of all size, from uh, mental health facilities with one individual to companies that have fifty thousand employees, um, manage their front office. So. And I shouldn't say front office. I should say they're visitors, they're guests, they're employees, mm-hmm. they're vendors, they're contract, anybody that comes into a building. Um, like we grew a ton during COVID because you had to do, you know, contact tracing. Uh, we are doing things like contactless check-in. So, I mean, there's just a ton of things that we do to help a business grow. Uh, but if you want to find out more, just it's thereceptionist.com and you can check it out. And we would love to um, help anybody out with whatever situation that they're in. Yeah, I I definitely want to look you up. Maybe you can help us. Cool. (laughs) Great. No, that sounds great. So, Tom, it was a pleasure and an honor to have you. Thank you so much for being on the show and look forward to the next time. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I really appreciate it. This was an absolute blast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end-user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. 
As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end-users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.